What's up everybody, it's Josh Holland. Welcome to another wonderful episode of Simply Walk the Talk. Today is a very interesting, um, tough time and we're doing a, a style, we're actually live right now on my buddy Isha Blocker's Instagram. And so Isha's here in the apartment and we have Loic Mabanza. If you're an avid listener of the show, you would have heard uh, the interview that I did with Loic a while back. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's nice to have these two gentlemen here with me, mostly because um, over the last few years and months, we've become good friends. And <clears throat> I think this is the part of the podcast in which we talk about lifestyle. And, you know, this is something that I don't really, I don't bring people into my private life that, that often. But this is a glimpse into what's really happening day to day. And with the things that are happening right now in the world, we're having real conversations with each other. And so one of the, the, th the things I wanted to do was have a, a show about what we were just talking about the other day, which was a conversation we had before we heard about, before we found out about George Floyd being murdered or lynched in the streets. Um, so Isha, why don't you kind of start it off because you know, th this is going to be a different type of show, but I want this to be conversational so we can have real conversations. We're live at the same time, but we also want this to continue to play forward because these are the kind of, kind of conversations that need to be had. Otherwise, what are we doing on this planet? I think it's funny that you ended with that. Um, I don't know about all of this. All I know is that it's very strange to come from abroad and to come to this country and New York and to experience all these issues that I've experienced in other places in the world, but it's almost like it's on steroids here. And, and you know, where I'm from, I was born in, in, in the Caribbean, uh, raised in Holland, and pe there's racism there as well. Um, but people don't get shot over it. You don't get police officers who kneel on people's necks until they die. And, and it's very strange to see all of these things. And, you know, being a black male, brown male, however you want to categorize me or whatever, it's, it's strange to, to look at that and think, how do I deal with that? You know, do you fully go into the movement and, and you know, do I wear my Black Lives Matter shirt everywhere where I go or, or do I stay kind of sober like where I'm from? It's like, oh, yeah, you know eventually we'll work it out and, and it's like no we need help in this country mm -hmm. you know it's sad and, and, and then there's the other discussion of do we need to protest do we need to fight for, for the rights that we have or should we talk about it and, and as a minority group we won't get there if we won't fight for it and then the next question is all the people revolting and looting and, 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 and burning stores down, to what extent should you, con should you condone that? I don't support that, especially if it's about mom and pop stores, people's homes. But then at the same th time, I was looking at Sean King's post and he said, you know, that's, that's a target. That's a big company. They won't lose. I mean, the money they lose when they lose that store you know, if that'll cause them to, to jump into the movement and, and, and make sure that changes are made because they're losing business over it. The bottom line. Yeah, it's actually the same. Like, I'm from 
France and we actually are very known for uh, revolution stuff, you know, riot and stuff. Actually, just recently we had the, the yellow vest uh, doing riots every day, you know, like for some different causes. But we don't go to that extent in terms of, um, I mean, the police don't go to that extent in terms of they don't kill people like as easily as they do in America. You know what I mean? Like we have police brutality in France um, and everywhere actually in Europe because there is still racism everywhere, you know? But for some reason here it's very, um, I don't know if it's because there's the right to, wear, to have a gun that changes the mentality that people can feel like they can kill people easily because it's literally very easy to kill somebody. And maybe it changed the mentality because we don't have the gun, access to gun the same way uh, in America they have access to guns. So probably this changed mentality, you know what I mean? Um, for instance, in my um, personal uh, experience, I've been, uh, I received police brutality, you know, like, uh, how do you say that? I like that. Yeah. I've been a victim of police brutality before, and, but it wasn't at that extent. You know what I mean? It's more like they shove me, they put me into the ground, and then they, they may slap me and stuff, but they probably won't get, they won't kill me. But some, sometimes it happens, but when it happens, it's actually a huge, huge news. Like it's like once every two years or something. In America, it happens every other day. It's very, very strange how this is like condoned and allowed. And it's very strange to see police, uh, police officers uh, <coughs> conduct, conducting th themselves in this way. You know, it feels like they have no training because they literally act out of fear. They're scared. They're scared of black people. That's why they act this way. But do you have training to just uh, like know how to control somebody, know how to just like basically like uh, limit the, the, um, the movement of, of somebody without killing him? It's literally like they, they, they turn into like murderer to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, 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 I, what I think, in, and obviously we're all right. Whatever we say, we're all right because it's an experience. And that's kind of how I love this show to be modeled after that, is it's the people that come onto the show, it's about your experience, right? And, and that was the important conversation we had the other day. And also the, the conversation we were having uh, tonight before we started recording, which is, you know, the way things are perceived from people who haven't been victimized, it's... it's Difficult. I'm not giving them a, a way out, but it's difficult for them to truly understand why somebody would loot their own city or their own town or why, you know, what caused somebody to to not want to roll his window down or comply with the police officer. Who knows if that person's brother, uncle, father, sister, mother was just killed by the cops. Right. Mm -hmm. And also. We're talking about the extremes. We're talking about the things that have gone viral that has caused us to do this, to have these conversations. But what about the very subtle things that are happening daily? The, you know, the, the, the small expectations, um, the, the, there's many ways to be a racist, to be, to be prejudiced. And sometimes it takes levels of killing like what's happening now for people to, to act out. And, how often, I think I saw some memes on uh, social media that was saying, you know, um, 
when Eric Garner was killed, you know, we, we made T-shirts. And when uh, Aubrey was killed, you know, we, we, we ran, we jogged. You know, what do we do now? What, what, what do we do? Like something that was, I think is very interesting, and, and I'll let you talk, because I'm sure all of us can just blab on and on and on, but um, I recall, I think it was yesterday, Lloyd, that you and I were working together on figuring out a way for you to, 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 to post this very meaningful um, music video that you directed, and you, this was something that was posted two years ago, mm-hmm. okay? It, it was a, a situation with uh, Colin Kaepernick, when he was taking a knee. And so Patrick Toussaint, um, the rapper, he made this brilliant song, dope track, and then you did the video for it. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting when you sat on the couch right next to me and you were like, yo, bro, what do you think about blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. It's crazy that this video from two years ago is, is exactly what we're dealing with today. Where is the change? What changes are being made based on doing something nonviolent like taking a knee, right? And then a lot of the world goes crazy over, oh, this is unpatriotic and things like that. That's not the message. That wasn't the message. The message was we need to take a stand or take a knee for all the lives. Mm -hmm. But what was currently happening at the time was the black lives. That's what's currently happening, black and brown. And nobody can change that. Clearly, we haven't been able to change it. So what do you do? Right? That was the gist of the post was, well, what do you do? What can we do? I think the sad thing with that is, if I'm correct, when he knelt, when he went down on his knee, it was against police brutality. And like you said, at the same time, the Black Lives Matter was was very, you know, um, present. So people linked one to the other. <clears throat> yeah. To good right. But I think it's about police brutality in general. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. God, I don't know about these statistics, if it's 60, 70, 80% or, you know, but there's a big percentage of these police officers... Um, that have been poorly trained, if not all of them, um, because they arrest people in a certain way that causes them to die. They arrest people, and I'm not even talking about the people that are racists and racists and do it on purpose. I think in general they they struggle to. Right, that's what I was gonna ask because I was gonna say, what about? Yeah, no, 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 definitely. Yeah, but th- that's the next part of the conversation. I think in general they don't arrest people correctly. You've seen so many police officers that need three people to struggle one man down or one woman down and then hold them and put them in cuffs. And then they start beating them while they're on the ground or while they're standing. And it's unnecessary. We've all done martial arts. We've done, you know, some form of wrestling or mixed martial arts or jujitsu where you learn that you don't need all of that. You don't need to punch someone in the face to get them in, in handcuffs or to get them into submission. And I've seen videos, which was not in America, uh, of there was a man who came at a police officer with a meat cleaver, a meat cleaver, like a big, thick knife slash sword. And the police officer went in, grabbed the guy by the collar, flipped him over onto the ground, took the cleaver away easily or it fell out of his hand and put him in cuffs. 
easily. Now, I wouldn't go close to a guy with me, Cleve, I'll be honest. But I think to that right, that police officer handled, handled that amazingly. In London, there were police officers who were there on a trip on, on I think, Swedish police officers or whatever. It was either America or London. Um, and they were there on a trip and somebody was acting up on the subway and he was, you know, uh, starting a fight. And they apprehended the man without violence. The man survived and they waited for the local police officers to show up. So <clears throat> my, my point to that, and it's a very great point, my counterpoint to that would be there are people, there are cops that are doing that here. In fact, the ones who just murdered George Floyd has probably done exactly what you said. What? Has probably arrested people the correct way. But for whatever reason, the ones that always get the, the bad end of the stick are the, the, black people. the black people, the black and brown people. Yeah. It's like, yes, I agree that there should be more training, for sure, better training and better execution of, of doing it. But it's just interesting when it switches the moment that it's somebody that they quote unquote feel threatened by mm -hmm. when there's three people having him on the ground, he's in handcuffs, but he still feels threatened for some reason because of nothing other than what Sean King says is if this was the Taylor Swift test, would that ever happen to Taylor Swift? And I like how he breaks that down. It's, it's, it's not Taylor Swift as a, the celebrity icon, but it's the image of the white girl, blue eyes, and it's nothing against her, but it's, you know, can you picture anybody that you know that fits that, that model? Would that ever have happened? No. And then if it did, what would happen to this world if that happened one time? But in our community, it is happening, like you said, every other day. Back to back. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even happen to the mass shooters that are white men that kill like multiple people. And we have like uh, references of it, like I think it was last year or two years ago, the guy that killed a lot of people in Las Vegas, or the, um, the kid who was like doing like a, a mass shooting in school. Look at the way they're arrested. There is no violence. There is no aggression. They literally put the handcuffs and walk with them. <laughs> they literally, that's literally what they do. But when it's a black person, no matter what it is, they feel entitled to be aggressive and, uh, and use whatever like aggression to express themselves, basically. Because this is personal for them, you know? Like, it's voluntarily. Like, voluntarily, they, they really want to hit that person. They want to, they wanna, like, um, hurt that person. It's not something that they're doing. They're not doing it for, like, to defend themselves. They want to hurt that person. And we can even see in the last video of George Floyd, the pride on the man's face, like the, the, the police officer that was, like, uh, on, the, on his neck. Look at his face. It was chilling. Chilling. No remorse. No sign of, maybe I'm going too far. <laughs> Nothing. It was literally chilling, and he even had, like, a sense of pride. He was just looking at him and then not paying attention to every commentary, all the people that came and say, hey, maybe, maybe he's dead. Maybe check just his pulse. I'm not telling you what you have to do, but check his pulse just to make sure he's not dead. He dismissed all of it. All of it. Because it was personal. He wanted it. He wanted to do that. Yeah. And that is the hard part. I'm <coughs> kidding. Um emotional or angry but <clears throat> wow that is the hard part 
for me to 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 swallow. visualize. No, not even swallow. The hard part to to, to accept yeah. that some people can be that racist to do that, and <clears throat> I wonder if he was if he woke up that day and said, you know, I'm gonna kill someone today, or I don't mind killing someone today, or if he was just being super racist and hurting the man and then thought, oh shit, he's dead. I don't know. I saw a post though that that same police officer was, he shouldn't even be a police officer. I think he got, um, he, he was, somebody was shot like 16 times and he was one of the police officers that shot him. I think he shot somebody else um, that was unarmed, um, has been cited for being violent against uh, civilians. There was a whole list of things. And there was a classmate of his, of him, who said that this, again, the classmate said that I think all of them or a lot of people were racist as they grew up in that setting or in that class or whatever, that place where he was from. Um, but a lot of them said, oh, thank God I'm not as racist as that guy. And that guy became a police officer. And that guy works with the other Asian police officer who was also there. And these people all work for the police department. And that is a structural issue. It is a structural issue that America is the size of a continent and there are certain places in this country that are so derogatory or so, so far from maybe the places that you and I know because we all live in Manhattan and it looks all nice and gravy uh, until you get to the Bronx or until you get to Minneapolis or whatever, that people can be so racist and behave that way. And you get these police forces where about 100 police officers were now guarding his home. Everybody saw this video. This is the worst I've seen out there. There is no way that you can say this black man died accidentally or whatever. The other videos you could kind of argue and say, oh, yeah, they were putting too much pressure. They didn't know. No, they, he was sitting on his neck. And there were still, three people. Three people. Four, I think, even. I think it's th three on him three, and one, yeah. one protecting yeah. them. And 100 <clears throat> police officers are guarding his home. How many of those racist police officers that have been racist since high school, apparently, all became police officers and are all running that district? If most police um, departments are predominantly white, how many of those people there are white, male, racist, and are the ones who are apparently controlling these black neighborhoods because they're the ones who go in when something goes wrong? I saw <clears throat> I saw a meme on uh, on on social media earlier today. I hope I don't butcher it, but I think it's a quote from Will Smith. He says that racism hasn't gotten worse. Yeah. We're just now filming it. Yeah, and that speaks volumes to me. That speaks volumes, especially me, as an African American that grew up in Middle America, in the Bible Belt in Oklahoma, oh. where even today, there's a black side of town, white side of town. There's a black cemetery. There's a white cemetery. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, wow. this, is, this is something like, so when you ask the question. This is not normal for us. <laughs> well, I would love to go down there and for somebody to show me, 
what this is like and, 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 and how this works. And I would love to stare racism in the face there. What, what, I, what I have to say, though, because keep in mind, I, this is what I grew up with, what I saw. It has changed dramatically for the better, though. That I will say. It has changed. You know, like my, my brother is a police officer. My dad was a police officer. He was the chief of police in my hometown. There was a lot that happened that just you couldn't even imagine. I've had a shotgun in my face multiple times because of racism. I've literally had to run for my life when I see the skinheads and KKK come into our town from a nearby town with chains and bats and, the, and, and bats, uh, um, tire irons. <clears throat> They're riding on the back of a four by four truck, two deep, two trucks deep. I mean, we had to live with this. A couple of my homeboys got jumped. This is what I lived with growing up, you know? So when people say it's getting better, yeah, in some ways it's getting better, but like who's to say that we finally had enough. Like, at what point do you say enough is enough? At what point do you, you know, it's like putting more police on the streets for people who are victims of, of that mm-hmm. only scares us even more, only threatens us even more. For everybody else, it might be, oh, I feel safe. There's a bunch of police on the corner. Mm-hmm. We're like, the first thing we think, it's a guttural response. The first thing we think is, uh-oh, what happened? Am I going to be, you know, harassed? That's what it is, really. But am I going to be harassed just because I'm walking this way? That's what we have to think about. And that's what we're dealing with. That's actually what's happening. When I told you the time I, I, I got victim of brutality, I was just walking around. I was walking on a, on a train station. I was on a platform. And they just came up to me. Like, for no reason. Where, here? No, in France. <clears throat> no reason. So this happened, like, just to say, like, it happens everywhere. So that the racism, it's so, I would say that, like it's a scar, you know what I mean? That's why we act in certain way, like we scare, like let's say I get pulled over by a cop right now, mm. I won't feel like confident, even though I didn't break the law, uh, I was, my speed limit was uh, respected, like I didn't do anything, but if the cop just like pulled me over, I'd be scared, I will be, and it's not normal, we're not supposed to be scared. They're supposed to be helping us, protecting us. They are first responders. But some of them feel entitled to become cold-blooded murderers just because they don't like the skin color of somebody else. And this is a problem that it's in the, in the roots of, of, like, the people who, first of all, the people who hire them. Like, like, we were talking about the training, the formation, and stuff like that. There's also a psychological side of it that needs to be checked before you hire a cop. Unless the people who hire the cops are also like that. Of course. I, I do think that in, I think these examples of Minneapolis are quite extreme. And I think that a lot of police officers in a lot of other police departments uh, around America have more issues with power uh, and go in and become a police officer, maybe to, to exert that power, have that power, and then that might be more the issue than them being racist. They might be racist on a smaller level, but have more issues with power and dominance. 
And then if you go into these neighborhoods and continuously your interaction with black people or Latinos or whatever is always them doing something wrong or them, them doing drugs or stealing or whatever because you're the one who goes in there to solve these issues, I think that causes um, their view to be distorted. Here's, <clears throat> here's an idea that I would like people to, to at least understand where we are because obviously... We, we can come up with many different stories and issues and, and things that we think is happening. But where I see something is fundament, fundamentally wrong with our country and the world, I guess, um, is we all know that it's proper to, um, I don't know, not talk back to your elders. Um, we're taught to, to you know, be good people and things like this. And, you know, there are certain things that are being taught. Young non-minorities are being taught the very basic things. But nowadays, right now, there's conversations being had. I have a son, right? So he's going to be, he's going to have your complexion. So he's going to be most likely at the one day, you know, faced with racism if things don't get better. So now we've got a bunch of black men and women having to educate their kids what to do. Like when I grew up in, in Oklahoma, we all knew what to do when there's a tornado. When there's a tornado, you go to your neighbors, you get in the bathtub, you, you hold your head down. Now we add on that for a certain group of people in America, we add on top of that things that you should do when you get pulled over. Yeah. This is sad, man. What? It's crazy. And then, and then even if you do that, even if you do that properly, you still might get suffocated with a, a, knee, a knee choke, a blood choke. Even when you say that you can't breathe. But that should have been, that's nothing new. Like you said, what Will Smith said, we're just filming it now. But mm-hmm. we, we should have taught our kids that a long time ago. Not because that's normal, but because it's needed even more in this country. I remember just learning from growing up and I wasn't the one who would end up in the police station because, I don't know, I was the oldest one so it was more trying to be the best man that I could be at home between my mom and myself and and my younger brother. Um, And so did he, but he was the younger one so he would get into more trouble um, half the time not because of his fault. But um, the thing that we... We, you know, that he had to learn or that we had to tell him or whatever is that once you get to the police station, you're too young. They can't talk to you until a parent shows up or a guardian, so don't say anything. These are your rights. But half the time they try because they know the kid is scared. One time they took his ID away and they said, you have to come get your ID, um... If not, uh, you're going to get this or that or whatever, which is not allowed. They pull a lot of stuff, and they know, how, they know how to get away with it. And it's sad, but I'm happy that the Internet's here and Instagram is here and social media. Yeah. So kids learn on their own. Yeah, and it's good that now people are exposed. You know what I mean? Like people can see because there's a, a huge group of people that actually don't know and don't understand that until they see it. Like, for instance... The, the world reacted to that video, right? The world found, found out, like, disgusting and sickening, because it is. But there's, like, 
half of this part, uh, half of those people, they've never seen that before, or they never heard of it, and they're not even concerned in terms of they don't they feel safe because they never think that one day this can happen to them. We don't feel the same way. We know that this happens on a daily basis. It can happen at any time, you know. So it's very it's very good in a way that there is like the information that that circulates faster now. Uh, you people can record and can film because now we need to really expose what's really happening, what's been happening for many years, and it's to be said, shown, uh, and 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 taken care of. You know, I feel like this this is really the way. And men, even people who basically be, before didn't care about it, now they start caring because they see it. And if you have a heart, you can feel something. You can feel empathy or compassion <coughs> at least, you know. And this might change. So, like I said, I believe in, in people, they can change their heart, you know. But it's very hard when it's, it's ingrained in you for, like, many, many years. You know, like racism, it's taught, you know. Like, they've been taught that since they were kids. So for them, it's like seeing otherwise, it's like seeing blue, you know, it's seeing different colors. It's like, no, black people, we're not equal, you know. They think this way. So for them to change, they need to experience something, you know, a drama or, or see it in their own eyes. Like, let's say, imagine what happened right now, happened to the, the son of the cop that just killed uh, George Floyd. How would they react? He will probably see something like, okay, maybe this is going too far. Because it happened to him. It's happening to him. So this might change his view of things like, okay, at the end of the day, we're all humans. You know, like there's a way to change certain things. So we need to expose them more. We need to, to talk about it. Being silent, it's not the way. We cannot just not say anything. So that's why there's many ways of, of um, spreading the word. Some people trying to be, uh, take a knee during the national anthem because they want to do it peacefully and they know that it's uh, um, a lot of people who say, see them and listen to the message, hopefully, but the problem is that people refuse to listen to the message. They refuse to listen to it and they flip around the meaning trying to look for a reason to make them, like, to, so they can feel offended by it. You, should be, you shouldn't be doing this because this is not the place, this is not the time. Uh, and you're disrespecting the fly, you're disrespecting this and that. They look for a reason to feel offended because they don't want to listen to the message. And the message is very simple. Stop police brutality against black people. That's it. <laughs> it's very, very simple, but if they refuse to, to listen to it, the problem will always, keep, uh, will always continue. It's a vicious cycle. And then we're also going to act some type of way. We're going to have some riots, or we gonna be now um, maybe entitled to talk shit to the policemen when we see them because we don't trust them, so nothing is resolved because now they will be more uh, uh, incentivized to attack us because we are like being, now they really feel, feel threatened. You know what I mean? Like you were talking about your brother, I, I asked you like how your brother feels about it and you didn't speak with him, but I was thinking about it because I was like, damn, his brother is a good man, I know him. But he might now receive, receive some shit because of the policemen that act this way. So maybe he will feel threatened one day. And it's like a vicious cycle. You know what I mean? Like he will try to defend himself, but because he's a cop, it's perceived differently. You know, it, like, it, this, madness, this madness needs to stop for everybody. And to me, in my opinion, one thing that will really help is 
for the cop, the good cop, the good policeman and woman to step up and talk and literally help make this change. Yeah. Walk with us and tell everybody that you understand where we come from and that we don't want that ever to happen because at the end of the day, we're all human and nobody uh, uh, deserves to lose his life just because somebody, just because somebody hates this skin color or because somebody is scared or somebody feels entitled. Nobody should feel entitled to kill somebody else. Period. Period. So, yeah. You know what the sad thing is? We've been filming these things for a while now. And, okay, now we have the body cams, so that changed a lot. But still, I would have expected that after a few of these killings that were filmed and officers getting convicted, that all of the other officers would say, okay, you know what, now we're actually getting convicted. Let's pull back because this is getting dangerous or whatever. But it's not. This guy was just sitting on his neck as if God himself couldn't correct him. Mm-hmm. What about the, the police officer that says, don't do, don't do drugs, kids? Like in response to, you know, to almost uh, justify why he was protecting the cop to continue letting him kill him. I don't know, I don't know if you caught that on the video. Do you think he was saying it... Um, but he's implying that, that George Floyd was on drugs or... It looked like he was on drugs, but... Oh, okay, but... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But do you think he was saying that as in, that's an addict, stop complaining? Which, saying it now, he might have... I might... It, it, it sounds credible. Yeah. Not normal, but credible that he might have said that. Or was he saying it because he was confronted with these people who were trying to correct them, who were angry, and, and he was just, it was the only thing that he had to say in his verbal arsenal, where he said, don't do drugs, guys. Almost like a, like a F you. I, I, when I felt that, I clearly thought, it was obvious that he's saying, this guy's a drug addict, that's why he is getting brutalized right now. Maybe. And that's not cool. <laughs> I mean, in fact, none of it is cool to say that, you know, like he really could have, he really could have just said, you know what, you're right. Let me just look to see if the guy's not moving. I mean, did he think six other people, including the, the white lady who was the first responder come up, the fire lady, you know, like, did he just not believe them? No, he didn't care. Yeah. That's why I definitely think he is also complicit in all of this. I think that's the issue. That's, that's the issue, not just with police officers here, police officers almost all over the world, is that they're incorrectable. He says, that's a drug addict, or he says, that's my sergeant who's killing this guy, so therefore, you know, I'm just standing here. Um, and they're incorrectable. These people are bringing up arguments you know, viable arguments. The man is not breathing anymore. The man is already in cuffs. You know, uh, you're sitting on his neck. He's been sitting on his neck. All you need to do is turn around. Just look at the man. He's not breathing anymore. Help him. Just get off his neck. You can still apprehend him. Um, and the guy just doesn't pay any mind. He's like, I'm a police officer. And the more you scream, the more I'm going to get in your face and the less I'm going to listen to you. The only thing... That might have, well, no, not the guy who killed him. 
But any other officer, the, the only thing that might have caused him to get off the guy, I think, is if the guy would have played dead and said, no, no, he actually died. That didn't happen. No. Just racist. Yeah, I... The, to me, I'm just going to be like, direct, there's no excuses for Zero. Zero. All of them. Nope. All Zero. Of them. Zero. Zero excuses. That's who they are. That's what they wanted. They got it. That's it. They so, wanted that to happen. Because the, the, like, it wasn't necessary. All of it wasn't necessary. You know what I mean? Like to, to take care of one person when you're four people, all of that wasn't necessary. Then the extra time staying on him wasn't necessary, wasn't protocol, and he wasn't even moving. Plus, he was begging to breathe. Like he was begging them, I cannot breathe. They stay there. It was intentional, point, point blank. That's it. It was intentional. So there is no excuses. There is no trying to think. Maybe he was thinking it. No, that's what they wanted. They did it on purpose. So here's the, the difficult conversation because, um, you know, I, I think it needs to be had. And I know that there's going to be hundreds of people listening to this thinking this very thing. What about the point at which we now, there's retaliation, mm -hmm. and then the people on the other side, who, whomever that might be, right, people on the other side, say, oh, okay, look, I understand, like, they're upset, they are upset, right? Because at the end of the day, we're one, right? But I understand that they're upset, but they don't, they shouldn't loot their own city. They shouldn't loot their own town. It's almost like looking in at a cage and, and seeing the, the, the two monkeys fighting each other. And it's like, they shouldn't be fighting right now. Go and separate them and let them separate themselves. Right? Like, you, you get what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's this mentality of like, look at what they're doing. When really, how else are we supposed to react? How else are we supposed to, to do what's caused us to get on the microphone right now? I mean... How many, how many killings have happened this year alone? And this is just this year. Don't forget about the, the 60s. You know what's sad? <laughs> it has to go too far for people to stand up. This was severe, deliberate killing. And after all these protests and all these things that we've done, there has been little to no change besides the body cams. And maybe it has to go too far for the government, for them to make changes, legislative changes, train the police differently, um, rid them of racists, which will not be easy because it looks like those kind of police departments are just almost rampant with them. But maybe it needs to go too far for them to make changes on their side. At the sake of someone's life, unfortunately. Or when you're backed up into a corner and you don't want to lose your life, the only thing really sometimes you're felt compelled to do, I mean, if, you, if you've ever seen a, an animal backed into a corner, you will find out exactly what they're made of. 
and we're a resilient people. So if it means tearing down our own cities to get people to change or to listen or to make a move or to have these conversations, you know, I'm sure we're all thankful that it's not our brother, sons, fathers, cousins that are now in George Floyd's position. But, you know, they're, they're, people are asking the question, do you wait until it happens to you or your family for you to, to react? I mean, literally, all three of us right now could walk outside and we could be killed simply because of where we live, the country of America, that happens to be a very racist place, apparently. I mean, and this obviously doesn't mean everybody's racist, but damn. <laughs> That's a big statement, I find, uh, to say everybody's racist. I don't think we live in those times. No, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying not everybody's racist, I know. Yeah. I, I get that. But damn, let me look at what we're dealing with. We're, we're here talking about somebody that just got killed in cold blood. And that's only because there was a video of it. You know, the craziest part is that they still did it regardless of, I mean, knowing that they were being filmed. And they're going to get off. This is the craziest part to me also. Like, some people, they don't know they're being filmed. You know, like a few weeks ago, there were another black man died while he was just running. Got boxed in, yeah. He was running, just running, and they shot him. They Hunt, really shot him. They hunted him. They tracked him down yeah. and they hunted him. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like they didn't like they probably didn't know they were being filmed. I'm not excusing or excusing or condoning anything or whatever. It's still the most sickening thing, uh, thing ever. But those guys, like those policemen, they knew they were being filmed left and right. They still did it. Like the intention was so obvious, so there that. He didn't stop them from doing it. Even when he wasn't moving, even when they were, where they were like people crying, seeing him dying or maybe dead, they were worrying. He's probably dead. He's probably dead. They didn't pay attention. They didn't like lift the knee a little bit just to see. Nope. They kept on going. Those are sick people. I'm telling you, we we cannot just like try to find a reason. Those people, they have like a psychological problem, literally, which is racism. That's yeah. how I see it. So, if you're not a young black male who grew up in this country, um, or period, um, if you're something else, whatever that means, Caucasian, or well, these days Asian, uh, <laughs> makes it just as dangerous. To be Asian and in America. Clearly. Um, but if you're anything else, what is something you could or should do? This is what my, my good friend Benny Hart, Ben, who's a, a white male. Um, and, and yeah, it doesn't even matter like who his friends are and things like that. But this is just someone who went on his platform, used his platform and called out all of the people in his position right, you know, of the same skin hue, um, he basically called them out and said, like, they need to be having those conversations as well about what to do to help. 
right? To, because if you're not speaking up and you're using your voice, your power, then you're just as, as complicit. You're just as, you know, silence is, is what is it? They, they say, uh, basically, if you're silent, you may as well be participating, right? And so <clears throat> this is a great question, and I think it needs to be had. But then there's enough people out there whose family members just got killed who are like, but we've been trying to talk about it. We've been trying to have the conversation. Two years ago, we tried to take a knee, and that didn't work out. <laughs> it caused a lot of conversations. I feel like number will help also. The more people, the better. Because after a while, you cannot stop everybody. So now, let's say, at first, it's like Black Lives Matter. I mean, even if it's totally different from, like, not totally, but it's different from... Colin Kaepernick, for instance, like he, they are like different people and different way of doing things, but people tend to like think that this is just our problem. So that's like we are talk, uh, we're talking on behalf of black people, but they don't want to listen to black people. So what needs to happen is that everybody needs to talk, so at least we can be heard and listened to. You know what I mean? It's like if you cannot listen to a black person, listen to a white person saying the same thing that we that we're saying. Maybe the conversation will stop at that moment. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I mean, it, this is, I don't, I don't think the point of recording this was to come up with the solution or a solution. I think the point, like you just said, like you said, like I'm saying, is we got to keep the conversation going. Yes. You know, we got to, we got to treat this, we got to treat this as if this was our brother. I'm just tired of this staying at a grassroots level. I'm tired of this staying in social media. I'm tired of this staying in protests. I'm tired of this not being discussed in places where people have the power to make a change. There are no police, um, heads of police departments or whatever. Uh, there are no senators who are who I see discussing things or making a difference or governors, let alone presidents. But and that's sad. That that's what makes it stay where it's at, and it's been like that for a long time. What's his name? Um, not Alec James Baldwin. Uh, is that correct? Um, what what's the story? Uh, the speaker. I, I always forget his name. Uh, he kind of speaks like this. <laughs> Black man, very interesting. He says a lot of things that are great, you know. Uh, no, but he... Uh, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he, he said that, you know, they always tell us to wait. In the future, things will change. But my father's been waiting. My brother's been waiting. My mother's been waiting. I'm tired of waiting. Mm. No, I feel, like, I feel like the world that we live in right now is a world where we're, like, more connected because also social media, which is a very powerful thing, uh, social pressure can be uh, extreme, which caused, like for instance, people to be fired from job or, or people to be exposed and stuff like that. So the social pressure is something that is really working now for this uh, problem, which is racism, that has been there for centuries. It needs to be at a, a bigger scale. That's why we need people to, to, to speak on behalf of everybody that need to be defended. I need to be, you know, like, we cannot just have the same people talking. We need to have more people 
having this conversation and the social pressure is going to create uh, uh, a change, hopefully. Uh, and I feel like this is the best way, just in my case, I'm, I'm no scientist, I'm no politician, I'm nothing, but I feel like this is the best way to, to try to have this conversation and make a change without going into war because after a while, we won't be able to control a lot of people. How, how would you tell somebody that just uh, experienced the death of his father, of his brother, or of his son, to stay calm and just try to be peaceful? How can you tell them that? So now imagine we as black people feel that we're in community because we have each other only. That's what we feel right now in the situation. So we feel like we need to step up for each and every one of us. So we conduct ourselves as a family. So that's why we're all trying to march together. But now we need to also include everybody else because let's not talk about black people. Let's talk about, okay, why we feel entitled to be equal? Because we're all human. This needs to be said. We're all human. I'm the same as you, whatever you are. You know what I mean? So trying to create, like, because I also don't want, like, the black people to tend turn their back uh, yeah turn their back on other communities because of it exactly and that's what's happening and this is what's very hard to to control because there's many black people who now become racist because of this situation of course and that is something you see a lot less in Europe yeah and here you see it and and it's 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 sad i think also because African-American culture doesn't go that far back. It goes back, you know, 500 years or when, when, when the slaves arrived here. But in Europe, it goes back to the country where these immigrants were from. So they bring a specific culture. I'm, if you're from Senegal or if you're from uh, Suriname in the Caribbean or, or you're from Ghana or whatever, you bring that specific culture. And, and so people will uphold that and, and judge other people less for the other culture and here it's just like you know what whatever this is all we have so you know we're just going to discriminate you as well because all we have is black versus white mm. and it's always been like that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah this is a i think it's 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 a good conversation um i i hope that whatever you feel from listening to this, watching this, if you're live, um, hopefully you feel compelled to do something, to get active. And um, I know we mentioned Sean King before. He's someone that I follow, The Breakdown. Um, and he's, a, he's an, an activist through and through. And, um, you know, and, and even he, I mean, his, uh, part of his story is that he was brutalized. He was beaten, like... Majorly, I mean, he still to this day is suffering from that. And so this is someone, though, who's literally on the front lines making this known, you know. And I think we, we should continue to support what he's doing. And you mentioned grassroots level. You know, they, they do have the, the grassroots law um, page that is really out there on the front lines getting things to happen, you know, creating different uh, actions at the government level. Um, you know, so... We should be supporting. I think ultimately we should try to provide something that 
that would help. I think that's something that we should be doing with this conversation is, okay, what are some pages you can follow? Who are some people you can listen to? Um, You know, if you, maybe the next time you see anybody, anybody, but especially someone that may feel victimized, just go and give them a hug. And that's probably harder to do right now because of the pandemic. But don't let that further exacerbate your, your, your uh, means of doing something, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe send a virtual hug. You know, we got emojis. Maybe make a phone call on FaceTime or, or whatever. Make a phone call and talk to some people. Because at the end of the day, we need to come together. And if things don't change, then, you know, there's going to be more riots. There's going to be more lynchings. There's going to be more back and forth. And we're going to end up being in a civil war. And I mean, you know, this is very dark that I'm going down a dark path, but I don't want that to happen. So we got to we got to connect. I know that there's a lot of people that feel like they don't really have power because they feel like they're just one person or two people and they don't have a voice because I don't know, they don't have like a huge following or whatever. But what I want to say is this. You have a voice and you have the power to actually help to make a change because the more people we have, the more we can reach the people who have influence. And if a lot of people who have influence can actually inspire and talk to the people that follows them, we become uh, like a huge group. And now we can really make a change because now it becomes like the world versus one person or the world versus the group of people. And they cannot resist to that. That's when the change is going to be made. Social pressure is a real thing. It's a real thing. I really believe in this. Uh, and it's been working for like many cases. You know, like all the different movements, the Me Too movement. Like you see all the change that happened because of the social pressure. This needs to happen with the social pressure against the people who, um, uh, who are racist, first of all. And second of all, the people who have the control, uh, the power to change um, how things in the police uh, department are set up from the beginning and even now because you cannot just like train new cops or whatever there is already cops that have been there for many years but now there is formality there is things that you cannot do other than that you will probably go to jail or something like some new laws that will make sure that those people will be will feel like threatened to act this way you know what I mean because when they kill this guy they didn't think twice about... They, I don't think in their head they were like, oh, I'm about to go to jail. I don't think they think that's because they think I'm the law. And look at what happens right now. They are being, he's being protected by, what, 100 exactly. cops? Exactly. So he knew that, was, that so would happen. Now the cops are protecting him, right? So the higher power needs to instill laws that will not let that happen. That's what I'm saying. He cannot be either protected or he has to go to jail, I don't know, for life or something. You know, something that will incentivize people not to act this way, even if they have the urge to do it. Because you cannot change somebody that has been thinking the same way for 40 years in one day or in one event. It's a habit. It's ingrained in them. You know, it takes time. But if they're being punished the same way normal people are being punished for the bad action that they do, this might slow down their action. Because at the end of the day, if you're a racist, I don't give a shit. As long as you don't do anything to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not going to try to come to your place and change your life and change your heart or whatever. You want to stay this way? Stay this way. But be quiet. Don't come and kill people. That's the main thing that needs to happen. You know? 
So that's why I'm like, social, pr social pressure will change if everybody comes together. So even if you think that you, you don't have a voice, you're nobody, if you add one person like you, we become, strong, become stronger and we have more power to influence the people we've influenced. That's the thing. I think where we're from, Europe and other countries that I've seen, there's this thing of, of it's okay if you're a racist or you want to be a racist, just don't bring it to my doorstep. And that's fine. You live your life, you have your opinions and whatever, that's fine. Just don't make it more difficult for me to get ahead in the company, in life. Uh, don't shoot me if you're a police officer. But then you can have your ideas and that's fine. Here, it's not like that. And, and this is something that, you know, I'm experiencing and learning every day. Um, so this is where the fight is. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I definitely can say that it's a very scary thing to have a racist person dressed in a, in a police officer's uniform, you know? And that's, I'll just leave it at that because it makes it, it makes it so challenging to even know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and why. And so I guess, you know, yeah, let's keep the conversations going. Uh, keep up the good fight, I guess. I mean. Yeah, just I, stop condoning this. Stop encouraging this. And now I'm talking to anybody that will hear that. But I'm saying this so you can say it too. Because the people with the power, they, they don't do anything because they probably feel the same way. I mean, some of them probably feel the same way. I'm not even going to sugarcoat. Donald Trump, uh, a few years ago, encouraged cops to be very aggressive to certain people. He said it in his own words. I cannot paraphrase him, but he said it. You know what I mean? So this, for them, they're like, oh, we protected. The president himself said we can't do this kind of stuff. He didn't say we can kill people. I'm not going to say that. But he said, if you need to be a little bit aggressive, go for it. So who else is going to tell them something? Who else? Yep. <sighs> Yeah, we, it, the, the world we live in right now. Um, and so I think the only way to make this a better place for the future, our future, is uh, we got to act. Yeah. We got to act. And, and like you said, Loic, um, any action is better than no action. So whatever platform you have, you know, we saw... Lots of people get creative during the pandemic and we saw lots of people making masks and we saw lots of people coming up with creative ideas on, on how to uh, make masks. I even saw people making masks out of uh, scuba gear and, and snorkels and all kinds of stuff. Mm. What do we do now, though, when people are getting killed, murdered, lynched in the streets? How do we come together to help that during the pandemic? You know, I mean, it's it's not only is it the pandemic a pressure on all of us, but this is also another pressure on top of us. If you can protest from your car because you're not allowed to go back to work, you can protest from your car or social distance and protest uh, about something like this. Facts all day long. You wear a mask. If you want to go out for Memorial Day weekend and party and whatever, you can also protest for this with a mask. Yep. So I, I don't know where this is gonna go and how you know whose ears this falls on but i hope that any time past the time you hear this i hope that this is just a thing of the past and i hope things get better so 
that's, that's my piece on this. Um, one thing that I normally do when I have guests on the show is I usually ask um, for a pet peeve, something that gets under your skin. <laughs> I, think, I think we all know what one of them might be, <laughs> and that's racism. Okay, I'll answer that. No. No. <laughs> no, not it, for me. I've seen it so, so much all across the world. Racism is a bad thing, but at some point, bigotries become funny to me. Um, because bigotry often means that it's just somebody just doesn't know any better. Yeah. So it's, they're just showing their dumb side to you. Yeah. Uh, it becomes sad when that starts to affect other people. Um, so I've met a lot of racists who don't affect a whole lot of people. It's just True. sad that that's how they grew up. And sometimes they're open to conversation, sometimes not. Sometimes they're racist, they don't intend to be, and they're open to, to change. And they just know any better. And that sometimes could be a very beautiful thing because they just don't know any better. I've met those people as well. And some people are just plain racist and it is annoying. <laughs> That's true. Actually, uh, I grew up with two neighbors that were racist. I lived 17 years next to them and never had a problem with them. I just hear them talking shit. <laughs> That's how I know they're racist. Yeah. You know, like, they think we're not around, and they will say, like, those black people, those fucking monkeys, they think they can do anything. They smell bad. They do this. You know what I mean? But they're in their garden when they talk. They just talk loud. But they didn't do anything <laughs> to me. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, I'm enraged, but I grew up with it. I'm like, just cross path. Do you think the way you want? I don't give a shit as long as you don't say that to my face. You know? I'm not as dumb as you to act, to react to what you're saying. And actually I feel bad because all the things that they use, stereotype or whatever, I really feel like they don't know better, like you said. So I feel bad for them because I'm like, damn, like if you ever knew that there were a world where actually this doesn't happen, like you old fashioned, I want to tell you, you fucking old fashioned, saying things like that. I mean, just look at the world. It's, this doesn't happen anymore, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I feel bad for you, you know? That was good probably many years ago, but now you just want to be a racist this way. Just be you. But you're the one suffering. When you hate somebody, it's like drinking poison, hoping that the other person is dying. But you're suffering. You're the one just having feelings, hurting yourself. You know? So, and when people hate, they <coughs> act in a bad way. I have one funny anecdote, though, and I think, you know... <laughs> the moral of that, well, I'll tell you afterwards. I was walking outside, and um, there was a, a, a cab that cut this lady off. And this lady seemed a bit, like, a bit rugged. <laughs> and she was driving the car, and she got angry, and she drove past the cab, and she cut him off again. And then I said, you know... Oh, I'm sure this person is an American because of the way she looked and whatever. And then she went, Oh, you black African MF, you go back to your own country. Black lady. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Only in America. Uh, or only in Harlem. But, <laughs> um, um, and I think racism just happens everywhere. And I think sadly, it comes from something that's part of us humans, and I think a lot of people have learned to check that, and mm. I think everybody should learn how to check that. Yeah. Well, 
the 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 other part of the show that I also like to finish on is is always on a positive note, and I'm sure you remember this. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to finish with gratitude, and so you know, just so we can finish on a light note, and um, you know, just just to have to to leave people with a bit of hope and and something to to look forward to. Let's talk about something that makes you grateful, Louis. Um, yeah, I'm grateful for the little things, for every little thing. Like, just earlier, when I called you, I went to the park just because I wanted to breathe some fresh air mm-hmm. and look at the sunset. This kind of stuff, to me, it's, it's good enough for me to make me happy because I'm so grateful to be able to be walking and being healthy and uh, appreciate things that make me feel good. Just this is, to me, it's, it's enough. And then I'm happy, I'm, I'm grateful to have amazing people around me that I can talk to, that I can connect with, uh, I'm grateful to be able to, to, to do what, what I love, you know, what I'm interested in, to be in this country also. I'm very grateful to be in America because uh, I'm able to achieve many dreams of mine. I'm able to uh, discover new things, a new culture. And, and, uh, and yeah, I'm grateful for my family. But most important thing is to me, it's health, family, people you love, and, um, and shelter. Isha. I'm thankful to be a part of this country. I complain a lot. Uh, I feel entitled to complain a lot. But at the same time, I'm, I don't believe in living the American dream, but I'm definitely pursuing it. Um, and I just think that that comes with a certain responsibility to be aware and to speak your mind and speak your voice. But at the same time, I'm thankful that I can be here and I have an opportunity to be more successful here than I would in other places. Um, so that's something that I'm thankful for, and I should express that more often. Beautiful. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to have you both here. Um, I'm grateful to be able to have a platform to be able to um, talk about these kind of things because it, it is important. Um, and yeah, I, I am grateful for life and, and i hopeful. I think that that's what I want to finish on is I'm grateful to still be hopeful amidst all of this craziness. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, thank you guys for coming on the show. Isha, I hope to get you back on. Loic, you as well. Um, why don't you let listeners know how to find you to follow more uh, about what you do? Um, yeah, Loic, why don't you go first? So you can follow me on Instagram uh, at Loic Mabanza, L-O-I-C-M-A-B-A-N-Z-A. Uh, it's the same handle for Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. So, suit yourself. You can find me on Instagram. Um, my name is Isha Blacker. I S H A B L double A K E R. And if you forget, I'm in Josh's following list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like a lot of this stuff. So, um, yeah, write me a message there. I see everything. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'll definitely tag you guys uh, on on that uh, on this post. And yeah, hopefully we we can have more conversations like this. But I hope the next time that we meet, it's because of something different. You know, I hope I hope it's you know. I'm already tired of talking to uh, about negative stuff. I love to uh, give hope to people and speak about positive positivity and and. It's true. You know, so we will definitely. This will be the next subject. <laughs> yeah, it, it has to be. It needs to be. So, okay. Thank you all for listening. Thank you guys again for being on the show. And until next time, this is Simply Walk the Talk. 
Bye.